Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Well, thankfully, Jesus tells us exactly what this parable was intended to do. It was to humble, to humble those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. They shamed others, they hated others, and they did not hide it. It was not only that they had a high view of themselves if that were not bad enough, but this pride in themselves led them further into grievous sins, whereby they looked at their neighbors with disgust. I want you to picture for a moment this scene. Two people come to this sanctuary to pray. They come up to the front, the one speaking louder than the other, praying to God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you have made me a believer. And I follow your laws and thank you for giving me the ability to do that. And guess what, God, I go above and beyond. Thank you for not making me like these people. The extortioners who rob others of money. Thank you for not making me like the unjust. Thank you for not making me a blatant adulterer. Thank you for not making me like this guy. And he points. He points to that person who is standing in the front of this sanctuary also to pray. What would you do? What would you do if you see this other man, this quote-unquote tax collector from our parable? He is the man who knows his sin. He is the extortioner. He is the unjust. He robbed from people to make most of his living. But he is in this sanctuary, this place, humble. Not even able to lift his eyes farther than off the ground. You could probably see him carrying in the weight of his sin because he was probably hunched over coming in to the very temple where he knew the Lord's mercy was going to be where he could receive the forgiveness of sins. And then there was an arrogant man at the front who pointed him out. He told him he didn't deserve the love of God. Because he wasn't good enough. What would you do? Would you say anything? Would you try and go up to comfort the man who was just told that he's less than dirt, a maggot. Would you offer any comfort from the Lord? Or would you stand with the Pharisee who treated his neighbor with contempt? See, the Pharisee obviously cares nothing about the reputation of his neighbor. He was quite willing, ready even, to publicly make known the sins of his fellow man, not in order to bring him to repentance, but in order to shame him before the full assembly of God, to make sure that the Pharisee stood in a class of his own, which no one could touch. He was not going to be associated with the likes of the extortioners, the unjust, and the adulterers. He was much better than they were. He was a better man than them. But he was lying. He wasn't a better man. 
Maybe on the outside he looked it. Would you rather a tax collector as your neighbor or the man who was going to tithe twice uh, or tithe of everything he had? Would you rather the tax collector who was going to extort you or be unjust? Or would you rather the guy who was going to fast twice a week and maybe be praying? On the outside, you'd probably want the Pharisee. But with the heart of cold, mean, and nasty things, as this Pharisee shows, perhaps you wouldn't want him after all. The Lord was there in that place to give forgiveness, to give mercy, to raise up the sinner from the depths of despair. And that's why the tax collector came. He did not come and look at his neighbor with contempt. He couldn't even bring himself to lift up his eyes to look at anyone. He was so focused on what his sins had done to him. How much shame and despair they had brought upon his life. He came to the Lord's house burdened with his sin. He was terrified to even look up to see if God were there. He was a poor, lost, condemned sinner, completely despairing. And he came to the temple because that is where God's mercy was. That's where the blood of Christ was supposed to be. The blood of the sacrifice. To many of you that have studied the Old Testament, you know that God told them to make an Ark of the Covenant. And inside the Ark of the Covenant were the jar of manna, Aaron's almond-budded staff and the Ten Commandments on the two stone tablets. Above that made a cover, and there were cherubim on each side, and in the middle was the kaporath, the mercy seat. And every year the priest would come in with the blood of the sacrifice, and he would pour it over the mercy seat. And if you remember, the glory of God dwelled above the Ark of the Covenant. So that when God looked down upon those things which were the sins of man, the Ten Commandments, right, showed the sins of Israel, would he see those or would he see the blood? He would see the blood. And he would look past the iniquities of man. This tax collector came to the sanctuary where the blood of God was to cover his sins. He came to the temple because he believed that there he would find that which he needed, which would make him alive, the blood of God. He needed the Lord to cover up his shame and his guilt. He believed that nothing he could do, nothing that he could produce would be able to cover himself up, and he was there for the right reason. It was much like Adam and Eve in the garden. If you remember, after they had committed their shameful act, when their sin was exposed, what did they do to try and cover themselves up? They went over to a fig tree and they took from its leaves and sewed them together and made for themselves a garment of fig leaves. They tried to cover up their shame. They tried to cover up by their own works what they had done. But what did that accomplish? More shame. For now they had to admit to the Lord that they had their eyes opened to the things which they were not supposed to be opened. 
Now they had to admit that they were covered. And the fig leaves did not cut it. They did not cover up their sin. So what does God do? God sacrificed an animal and spilled the blood of an animal and made for them animal skins to wear. And by the Lord's sacrifice, they were covered. The tax collector of our parable today did likewise. He did not try to hide his sins nor cover them with his own works. Instead, he pleaded for the blood of Jesus, crying out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This word mercy here, I bring it up probably every year, but it's good to do so. This word mercy is not like what we typically think of when we think of the Lord's mercy, his kindness, his compassion, his favor. This word is the word for propitiate. That is, the tax collector was crying out, God, set aside your anger. Set aside your anger for me, a sinner. And if God sets aside his anger, he looks past his sins and he gives forgiveness. And that's what the Lord did. God responded with mercy for the sake of the blood of Christ. Every Old Testament sacrifice where blood was spilled for the sins of the people foreshadowed the time when Jesus would come. They all pointed to the crucifixion when his blood would be shed for the sins of the whole world. There Christ became the propitiation for all our sins so that God would set aside his anger forever. It is because of Jesus that God sets aside his anger, his wrath, even hell itself. It is for the sake of Christ that we do not become those who go down to the pit. God does not give us what we deserve, which is his temporal and eternal punishment. But instead, he gives us pardon and peace. What Jesus accomplished in his death and resurrection is proclaimed and offered to all people in the gospel. You are not in a class of your own. God came to this earth in human flesh. He sat down and he ate and he drank with sinners, with the tax collectors. He did not point them out as being those undeserving of God's grace, but exactly as those who need it the most. They were the sick. They were the dying. But they were humbled by his word. And so they came to the place where they could receive forgiveness of sins. They sat at the feet of Jesus, listening to him in the temple, repenting of their sins and receiving the forgiveness of Christ. Now today, the same thing has continued on. The proclamation of the gospel to all who are in need. And what do you need to leave this place justified? What do you need to do to leave this church justified? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. But just receive it. Come as the lowly, the burden, despairing of your sins, and leave with the pardon and peace and joy in Jesus. Receiving is nothing else 
than believing. Believing according to the gospel is the only way to leave justified, freely forgiven for the sake of Christ. And you don't have to fear that you cannot believe. For faith is the gift of God. It is not your work. It is created in and through the word by the Holy Spirit so that you may believe and be saved. Faith is a gift of God. And if you thought that justification had something more for you to do in order to make it full and complete, well, I've got news for you. It's already been secured by Jesus. Your justification came in his resurrection. As the Bible says, he was raised for our justification. And it is Jesus who offers it to you now freely presented and given in the word and the sacraments. As it is written, to the one who does not work but trusts in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. To us, dear Christians, this is the heavenly sweet doctrine which satisfies the thirsty souls, stills the terrified consciences, and wipes the sadness of all poor sinners away. No words can be used to describe this sweet victory our Lord gives to us poor sinners. For the home to which we will now go is not our earthly place, but it is the heavenly home, the dwelling place of the Lord in his kingdom which shall not end. When your flesh and blood fails, and it will, it is the Lord Jesus who will say to you, Come you who are blessed by my Father and enter the kingdom which was prepared for you before the foundation of the world. We will be the ones to go home justified. For we will see those who were as Christ was, victorious over death because they had the forgiveness of their sins. We will see on the day of our Lord's coming with our own eyes the ones who return to their heavenly homes as the righteous, the ones whom Christ had died for, given the forgiveness of all of their sins and redeemed their bodies on the last day and made them new. We pray for this day to come all the sooner. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, God, and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.